0: There are also some domestic law coming out and carbon fee is one of it. Then know, okay, how much I should be charged and how much the company should pay for that. It's not owing company, it's not owing the public. Everybody should be aware and I think everybody should do something.
1: Hello and welcome to Getting Pacific, where we get specific on trending topics straight from the newsroom at Taiwan Plus. I'm Joey Chow. And I'm Trevor Tortomasi. For this episode, we're going to look into Taiwan's roadmap to reduce carbon emissions, how we plan to catch up to international standards by 2030 and hopefully go completely net zero by 2050. And by net zero, we mean that for every unit of
2: human-created greenhouse gas that Taiwan releases into the atmosphere, we try to offset the amount by absorbing just as much.
1: includes technologies called carbon capture and storage, where we literally capture carbon dioxide and bury them deep underground, carbon conversion, where we turn carbon dioxide into other useful chemicals, or we can just let nature do its job and plant trees, since they basically eat carbon dioxide and turn them into oxygen through photosynthesis.
2: But it would take on average 38 trees to offset one ton of carbon dioxide every year through photosynthesis. And you want to take a guess at how many tons of carbon dioxide Taiwan, for example, emitted in 2022? I have no idea, Uh, a, a million tons? About 307 times that.
1: So 307 million tons. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, let's multiply that by you said 38 trees. Let's punch that in. We need 12 billion trees, basically.
2: Yeah. So let's just say every sizable tree needs at least three square meters of space to grow. And Taiwan's an island country with an area of about 36,000 kilometers squared. Anyway, that's
1: Not enough space is what I'm getting at. So we'd be all trees and nowhere to live. Okay, so we don't have unlimited trees, so we probably don't want to release too much carbon dioxide into our atmosphere, right? That's right,
2: which is why in the year 2024, Taiwan's Ministry of Environment is going to start monitoring some of the Taiwanese companies that emit the most carbon dioxide, a total of 512 companies, including Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or TSMC, and Formosa Petrochemical Corporation, who release more than 25,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide. So, uh, for the sake of putting that giant number in perspective, an average home emits around 8 metric tons of carbon dioxide per year. But for those big boys, the big companies, the government has hinted at an initial fee of 300 NT, or around 10 US dollars, per metric ton of emissions. Progressively raised to 3,000 NT, or around 100 USD, by 2030.
1: And to put that price tag into perspective, in order to meet the international goals set during 2015's Paris Agreement, economists have calculated that the price of carbon dioxide emission fee worldwide needs to be between 50 to 100 US dollars per ton by 2030, which is why Taiwan is aiming for that 100 US dollar by 2030. However, environmental groups have blasted the starting rate of 10 US dollars next year as being far too low to attack the climate crisis. Some say we should start at 15 US dollars. So to find out whether the Taiwanese government is doing enough,
2: we will hear from Wind Taiwan Magazine, a publication that focuses on the future development of Taiwan's renewable energy industry and all sustainability issues related to the
1: country. Well, first, let's find out just how much is quote unquote enough. Obviously, with a problem as complicated as climate change caused by human activities globally, there's no single right answer. But it doesn't hurt to find out how Taiwan compares to other countries, especially the ones that are leading the fight against carbon emissions, for some perspectives. So, uh, time for a wager, Trevor. I bet you 10 US dollars, which is how much Taiwan's government is going to be charging for one metric ton of carbon dioxide emission next year, uh, that you can't guess the following. Which countries in the world pay the most for their carbon emission? Okay,
2: um... Why do I feel like the U.S. doesn't pay the most for its carbon emissions?
1: <laughs> you would be ding, ding, ding right in saying that. No. Uh, is it China? It is not China, actually. Is it
2: one of those clean Nordic
1: countries? Yes, you're right. Oh, it always is. So uh, at number five is Norway. They pay about 90 U.S. dollars per metric ton of release. Sweden is at 125 U.S. dollars. Switzerland is at 130 Liechtenstein is at 130. Uruguay is at 155 US dollars per metric ton of release. Oh, Uruguay, muy bien. That's right. Uh, Apparently they're really sustainable. In less than two decades, it's completely overhauled its energy sector. Renewable energy supplies more than 90% of its electric grid, and they're also exporting. So Taiwan has a bit of a way to go to catch up with these countries with our current plan, which I need to stress has not been officially confirmed by the government. But how much carbon dioxide is Taiwan releasing? into the atmosphere compared to other countries trevor second wager do you care to take a guess which five countries are the biggest carbon emitters in the world
2: okay well it's got to be the u.s china india
1: hey very good yeah <laughs>
2: there's a theme here <laughs> um and we're not talking about per capita we're talking about uh in total yeah you want to go for the other Oh, oh um, we're going for four and five go for big population and oil exporters saudi arabia is an oil exporter but its population isn't that big it's not gonna be Indonesia, right? They have a huge population. Yeah, it is in Indonesia. They're at number five. Okay,
1: well, what's what's number four? It's Russia. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are the five countries from one through five. China, US, India, Russia, and, and Indonesia. And you might have noticed that out of the top five, three of them are in Asia, China, India, and Indonesia at one, three, and five. Uh, do you wanna guess where Taiwan sits on that ranking? The fact that you're
2: asking me makes me think that it's surprisingly high. Um, would it be anywhere in the top
1: 100? Oh, definitely in the top 100. Uh Uh-oh. Twenty. They're very close. We were at twenty one five years ago. We're at twenty four now. Okay, getting a little better, but boy, yeah, y- yikes! You are actually very close to uh, all the numbers today. Taiwan, like you said earlier, released about three hundred and seven million metric tons of carbon dioxide last year on the surface. That's only about two percent of China's emission amount. But if we compare the emission numbers to the number of people, so per capita, in the two countries, we find out that Taiwan's carbon dioxide emission per capita is actually fifteen percent higher than China's. This means that that each Taiwanese citizen is responsible for 15% more greenhouse gas emissions than each Chinese citizen.
2: That sounds like we should be trying even harder to discourage our big boy companies from releasing too much carbon dioxide, huh?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, but charging a fee for emission is only half of the solution. The other half is in offsetting the emissions that we already release into the atmosphere. So what's the government doing on that front? For this, we spoke with senior industrial reporter Yona Wan from Wind Taiwan Magazine. That's a publication that focuses on the future development of Taiwan's renewable energy, industry, and all sustainability issues related to the country.
0: The government has already come up with the Taiwan 2050 net zero emission pathway and strategy overview. And in that, you can also see uh, 12 key strategic action plans. And then very soon, there are also some domestic law coming out. And carbon fee is one of it. Yeah, they they will talk about maybe use this to help educate the public, be aware, you know, this is a trend and this is going to happen. They have this concept, that know, okay, how much I should be charged and how much the company should pay for that. It's not owing company, it's not owing the public. Everybody should be aware and I think everybody should do something. I think um, for the the fee that government collect, I think they should uh, invest on more like, innovation for the renewable energy and also set up like a specific foundation to upgrade renewable energy development, you know, environment more friendly in Taiwan.
1: Okay, so two takeaways. First, the public has to be educated about carbon fee, why we pay for them, and how much CO2 should cost. Uh, so some of the money can go to that to promote public awareness, and Yona hopes that the government sets up a special foundation and invests some of it into renewable energy. Now, while the government hasn't explicitly said that's where the money is going, you can see traces of it from Taiwan's 2015 net zero emission pathway, which Yona mentioned. There are 12 strategies being proposed, and it includes uh, farming more wind energy, solar energy, Energy using hydrogen as a source of clean energy, reduce waste, adopt green lifestyle, etc. So it looks like the blueprint's there. Now it's just the execution of it.
2: Yeah, I mean we all want to do it, but the people with the most control are the businesses, and sometimes the only language they speak is money. So that's why these carbon <laughs> fees are the fulcrum upon which we balance our movement toward carbon reduction emissions. That's the hard part, though, isn't it? I mean, I went through university, and then on one hand, knowing that you have to study and actually sitting down to study are two very different things. Oh,
1: yeah. And there's always a little bit of procrastination in between. And uh, what about the straight-A students? You know, are they sitting down to study right now? Well, let's hear from Yona again.
0: I think um, in the previous section, they... Move very quickly. One of the very impressive uh, examples I could give is um, TSMC, one of the uh, the biggest and significant companies in Taiwan. They are very advanced. In twenty twenty one, they already uh, joined RE one hundred, and they was the world's first uh, semiconductor industry to join this. RE100 is a global corporate renewable energy initiative. So it's an initiative and it promised that they will commit to use 100 percentage renewable energy electricity they are very advanced and since they join and they start to have many actions and uh, uh, many policies to echo what they promise to the world and now they are also um, saying that they want to use 100 percentage green electricity in the office
1: So for the skeptics out there, yeah, TSMC is almost forced to go green because Apple has long announced their plan to become carbon neutral, which means their suppliers have to adopt the same model. But money is a big incentive for change.
2: I noticed that uh, Yona said TSMC plans to go green in the office too. So remember when you mentioned that if we covered the entire country in trees, we might have enough photosynthesis to offset our emissions. Well,
1: Short of that, what if we lived in green buildings? We're not talking about buildings painted green. I mean, yeah, we'd run out of green paint so fast. (laughs) Okay, so green buildings. And on that front, we spoke with Sean Zhang, who has a consultancy firm called RCI Engineering that focuses on making buildings more friendly to the environment, a.k.a. green, and healthier for the people in them as well as reducing waste. So I asked Sean what exactly they do and how can the concept of green building help to reduce emission?
3: It's like when you go get a, a checkup and that's what we do for buildings. We, we have a uh, monitoring system. So our company four years ago, we developed, our system called Econ and it monitors indoor environments. So you're like the CO2 in, inside your home, your PM2.5, your, your TVOCs, your formaldehydes. Uh, we monitor uh, water usage, we monitor your energy usage. We're trying to make things transparent. And once you make things transparent, you could realize, wow, there's a lot of waste. I talk to all of these businesses and tell them how all their decisions impact the environment. You know, we've got to save uh, polar bears. And they're not as interested, (laughs) you know, as um, I was hoping in the beginning. But once you explain to them uh, all the benefits of uh, a green building, lowering operation costs, that's something they, they definitely buy in on. So the concepts of green building just keep evolving. Like, for example, the United States Green Building Council has been around for only 30 years, formed by the United States uh, Department of Energy. They have this um, green building rating tool, a system called LEED, Leadership, Environmental, and Energy Design. Now it's like in over 180 countries that use this green building rating system. Uh, now we're on our version 5 of this rating system. They focus on the location of the building, transportation, uh, sustainable sites, the site design, water usage, energy usage, material and resources. The materials uh, category, um, it's just been getting uh, more robust and more stringent. In the past, it was always about uh, single attributes of a material. So if it had like recycled content, or if it was uh, regionally produced. Now it's like multi-attributes. So it's like, where is the raw material from? How is the transportation from the, the raw material to the factory, to the job site? You know, so it's a lot more transparency. And that's really the key of all of this.
2: Yeah, so like Sean was saying about getting all this data, the leadership, the environmental, and the site design sort of statistics that companies can use to track their progress. Because, I mean, we have to incentivize reducing carbon emissions and we also have to give companies ways to know how much they're reducing it by, um, We kind of it's kind of like gamifying uh, reducing carbon emissions. And uh, if we don't gamify it and incentivize it, then I don't think anyone's going to sit down to study like, like we mentioned in our previous metaphor.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, like you said, you can't just approach people and say, we gotta save polar bears because, first off, I've never seen a polar bear in my life. And you just have to convince me that I need to care about this, you know, and find a step-by-step approach to it.
2: Yeah, that's right. Like a uh, shorter carrot bigger stick no wait i got that backwards (laughs) bigger carrot shorter stick (laughs) bigger carrot and bigger sticks (laughs) (laughs) no yeah and it's also about transparency uh because everyone else needs to be able to point to companies and, and hold them accountable for like if they're not making the right progress so this is good data and it's it's data that's coming from uh from good technology so at least the uh the beginning is honorable let's see where
3: this goes green buildings is about sustainability it's about life cycle assessments it's a way to really help you lower your carbon emissions. So there's reports uh, from university sides, there's industry reports or the world green building council. They've given reports where green buildings reduce 30% of emissions. And I've read up to 50%. If you're one of the 500 that's uh, emitting 25% thousand metric tons, you want to do this as often as possible.
1: Mm, Yeah, so uh, he mentioned that it's possible to reduce carbon emission, at least for the operation of the building, from anywhere between 30 to 50%. If you go through his company, the RCI Engineering's method of monitoring and then taking step-by-step approach to do that. Sean also mentioned that if you're one of the 500 plus major big boys that are releasing a lot of carbon emission, I think the number is- More than 25,000 a year? Yeah, 25,000 metric tons a year, um, then you should be paying and you should be monitoring. But every company is different. Trevor, let's say, for example, if you make Thirty U.S. dollars a year. I know that's not a lot, and I ask you for ten cents, a dime. How would you feel? Uh, not too bad. I guess I'd ask for more details. Context matters, but yeah, sensible. Now, if you make fifteen U.S. dollars a year, so half, and I ask you for twenty-five cents, a quarter. What would you say this time?
2: Uh, it feels like more money out of what
1: I made, and it's more money in general. So it is. So these are the twenty twenty one profit in billions of US dollars for TSMC, that's Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation, and FPC, for Formosan Petrochemical Corporation. We all know TSMC, the world's biggest semiconductor chip manufacturer. Formosan Petrochemical Corporation, on the other hand, refines, sells, and distributes petroleum. So, FPC emits more than twice the carbon dioxide than TSMC based on their emission level in 2021, if they were to pay 10 US dollars for each metric ton of carbon dioxide, TSMC would only be losing roughly 0.3% of their profit, while FPC, 16%. 16%. Now some businesses, just by the nature of what they do, will have the carbon feed eat into much more of their profit margin. It seems almost unfair, but that's the whole point of it. You pay for what you emit, and hopefully it will incentivize these companies to find innovative ways to emit less. So after today's episode, let us know if there are any ingenious ways that your government or the company that you work for are implementing carbon reduction. You can share with us. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram with Joey Taipei. And i'm on all
2: platforms as trebatsky but more importantly if you want more news from taiwan and around the world head to taiwanplus.com or find taiwanplus on whatever platform you like best and that's it for this episode of getting pacific i'm joey chow i'm trevor tortomasi i hope we got pacific enough for you and see you next time